And welcome to episode nine of Two Girls, One Cult. Um, We are delighted that you are here and still with us. Today's episode is all about shunning and also that incredibly scary word, apostasy, or when you become apostate. As with any of our episodes here on our podcast, we really do advise you take care. We are dealing with some sensitive issues, sensitive subjects. And if you do find anything triggering or you are reacting in in a negative way to anything, please do seek the help of your medical professional. We are your hosts. I am Lara and I'm here with my sister. Narissa. Hello. Okay, and so um, shunning and apostasy, two massive subjects, two incredibly dark subjects, um, and we have loads to unpack, so I will pass you straight over to Narissa. Yes, so as far as shunning is concerned within the Jehovah's Witnesses, that when you think of shunning, you think of disfellowship, taking off your privileges, and and possibly going apostate, or possibly just being kind of chucked out of the whole kind of society. But as a Jehovah's Witness, I mean, they do say, on actually, on the JW.org website, it actually says that they don't automatically disfellowship someone who commits a serious sin. But if a baptised witness makes a practice of breaking the Bible's moral code and doesn't repent, doesn't feel like they should repent, then they will be shunned. Or, yeah, shunned, disfellowshipped. It's, it's, it feels like it's kind of one in the same. So shunning and being disfellowshipped but apparently it and there is that scripture that does talk about it's first corinthians five thirteen: remove the wicked man from among yourselves and that is something that i do remember and i remember that quite vividly in my mind uh, just back in the day because i mean we in our congregation we did have quite a lot of people who were disfellowshipped at a certain time and which is understandable nobody's perfect everybody makes mistakes and I feel as if within that it's it's difficult to not go with their rules as a young person, you just kind of go with it. You just, you know, that they're up on the platform and an elder will say um, somebody has been taken off their privileges. and Or actually, no, they say, I think for disfellowshipping, they say blah, blah, blah is no longer a Jehovah's Witness. That's a new thing, isn't it? Well, I say new. That is a new thing. <clears throat> yeah. 15 years, you know, relatively new. Yeah, that's a new thing. So 
I don't remember that happening when we were there. Or, or rather when they... I think, actually, no. I remember one person being disfellowshipped. This was right towards the end of my kind of stay in the, the religion. But I do remember there was one person who that did happen to. And I remember thinking, wow, that, that feels quite um, quite final. You know, somebody saying they're no longer a Jehovah's Witness. I mean, in my mind, that that feels like apostate kind of talk. But, I mean, that's common now with um, disfellowshipping. And I think, like I was saying, you know, it kind of feels like it's one and the same. They do, if you have a close family member who's been disfellowshipped or you, you, you yourself has been disfellowshipped, then they cannot talk to you. Family and friends who you've grown up with, who you've been with for years, who you love immensely, cannot talk to you. They cannot be around you. They cannot associate with you. They cannot talk to you on the phone. They cannot text message you. They cannot email you. No kind of contact whatsoever. No contact. No contact. So when it comes to shunning, it is a very intense very serious thing that happened it's a serious sin to be whatever sin you you had done made to be just be disfellowshipped and uh what do you think yeah so within the jehovah's witness community it is encouraged that you stay in this very tight, close-knit community. You don't make friends outside. You spend the majority of time with these people. So if you do ever get to a point where the elders in your congregation feel justified to shun, a.k.a. uh, disfellowship you like you say they are one and the same then you literally lose everything because you know if if you have been an upstanding jehovah's witness you don't have friends outside your congregation you don't have friends you know you don't really have a life outside it so it is it's an incredibly painful um And, you know, just life altering, I think, for people. And while we were growing up, like you say, as a young person, you kind of think, well, they did something bad. Therefore, they must deserve it. They must deserve Mm. this ostracism, this fierce, incredibly harsh discipline. People can't even really look you in the eye. They They don't even acknowledge you exist. It's like you're dead. And that is what is so cruel, I think, about this process. But also the things that you can be disfellowshipped for are some of them, I think, yes, incredibly yes. small and the things that don't matter, really. I mean, one of the things you can disfellowship for is smoking. I mean, do you remember anyone? You can, you yes. Knew? I mean, like, it's all- yeah. I mean, it's it's all of those things, isn't it? It's all of those things where that what they shun are, yeah, smoking, politics, anything in excess, anything in excess. So, yeah, drinking, 
smoking, drugs, <laughs> obviously. Um, Too much food? Food, gluttony. That's, yeah. Gluttony, other religions. You should shun other religions. Yeah, undesirable habits and practices, anything in excess, even music festivals, stuff like that, um, they they do shun. So, yeah, I mean, sorry, going back to what you said, what did you ask me? I was just going... Oh, just, you know, your experiences of people being disfellowshipped and what they were disfellowshipped or shunned for. I remember... I remember somebody being disfellowshipped for smoking cannabis, mm. which is a big no-no. Yeah, so I remember that. I remember mostly, mostly, I knew people who disfellowshipped for things like sex, sex before marriage, dating. Outside of, of marriage, having mm-hmm. having affairs, having affairs, um, yeah, having affairs. I mean, there were there were really kind of there. Oh, there was one person who was disfellowshipped for having a blood transfusion. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. That. Do you remember that? And yeah. I thought that was I thought that was really quite brutal and harsh because this certain family in our congregation at the time who did they did get disfellowshipped for the blood transfusion um, business. Well, it was just the one person who got disfellowshipped, wasn't it? It wasn't the whole family. No, I'm just thinking whether it was. One was reproved, I think, the person or the... I can't remember. I think one was reproved and one was disfellowshipped out of the family. But I remember they used to come and you can't come to the meeting and you can't talk to them. You can't even... And you know what's really bad? You can't even really look at them. But all I remember was people, people just staring you know, mm. just kind of looking at the back of the hall and say, oh, they're here, they're just fellowship, you know, they're naughty, what have they done? And um, no, I remember that. I remember them being disfellowshipped and it was really sad. And I always thought, well, that's not really fair, you know, saving your life or somebody else. I can't, to be honest, I can't remember who had the blood transfusion. Obviously, the person who was disfellowshipped had the blood transfusion, but I remember thinking that just that's that really isn't fair. Saving your life or somebody else's like a family member who you love through blood transfusion and they're being disfellowshipped for it, being mm-hmm. reprimanded for it, saying this is a bad thing. And and on top of that, being shunned for it. Mm-hmm. It's a punishment in itself, you know, it's a it's a and you're made to feel so, so bad. It's the, you know, obligatory kind of guilt, you know, feeling it's all your fault, feeling um, feeling like you, you have to improve your situation, you have to talk to the elders, you have to keep on coming to the... I think in order to come back, you have to be quite consistent in coming to the meetings, uh, coming back, trying to make an effort. And then I think they review in six months or a year six months or a year or whatever, and if they think your attitude has changed, then they can reinstate you. 
but I do I do remember that I felt quite sad actually about that that family because I thought well this can't be a bad thing if you're saving someone's life why are you being punished it's just Mm -hmm. not right it made me feel quite sad actually and I was still quite young at the time I think I was oh about 17 was I sick I think it's 16 17 at the time yeah, so I did right. feel I did feel bad for them um but I'm just trying to think if there was anybody else I think mainly I mean yeah there, oh I did know somebody who was this fellowship for drinking there were people who were disfellowshipped for obviously kind of like so I know somebody who got disfellowshipped for stealing, for shoplifting. I think they had a lot of issues. They had a, a lot, this person, this specific person has a lot of issues. I mean, who hasn't? <laughs> he doesn't have yeah. these issues. But um, no, I do remember somebody who was, yeah, a bit of a kleptomaniac and they had, um, they had issues. But I do remember, you know, the, the other things, you know, like molestation child sexual abuse and stuff like that but then you usually find that although they did get disfellowshipped they nobody knew it wasn't announced that this person had been um reported to the police or anything so you who who knows you know you could the person who's disfellowshipped at the back of the hall could be disfellowshipped for molesting a child and um I know that I, I, I mean, I don't know what happens now in regards to that. I don't know whether there are other kind of measures put into place because I mean, if you're near a sexual predator, I mean, would you go to a meeting if you're a Jehovah's Witness? If you knew somebody had molested a child in your hall, would you go if they're disfellowshipped but they always came to the meeting? I don't think I would. Well, I mean, that's I mean, a that's good point. Another question yeah I mean see this is the thing as well I don't think I would I don't think I'd be able to go back to that hall and know this person has done what they've done which is why they keep it secret as far as I know I don't think they announced on the platform that it is a sexual crime or that they've been reported to the police I think it's just normal disfellowshipping as far as I know well, with any disfellowshipping, you never know what the... They never announce what the person's no, done. No, they never announce it. It's no, just... You, you, there's just speculation, is there? There's always that conversation. Yeah. Once that announcement happens, because there's always an announcement, mm. you know, sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so has been, uh, you know, or is no longer a Jehovah's Witness, and you're like... <gasps> everyone's like, oh, no, what happened? What happened? And there's loads of speculation and everything, but... And maybe one or two people know and eventually like the genuine word gets out, but there's so many rumors and speculation. Mm -hmm. You can never be sure. So for something like you say, child sexual abuse, no one knows. No one knows. Exactly. So you, you could be in the same hall as a child predator, child sexual, you know, abuse predator, somebody who has done something horrific and you will never know. Yeah. Unless, you unless it comes know. out somehow. Exactly. Unless, exactly. Mm. 
So basically, you can get disfellowshipped or shunned so that your entire social, familial, you know, your your lifelines don't talk to you anymore based on really if the elders just don't think you're doing, you're something, doing something right, right you, know? you know, they think you're mm-hmm. eating too much, drinking too much, blah, blah, blah. You might get a conversation beforehand to go, you know, we're, we're watching you. We think you might not, you might need to work on this. But if it's a big thing, especially if someone has seen you doing something that is considered a serious sin mm-hmm. and they go to the elders and you get dobbed in, you know, that's more than likely going to end up in some sort of disfellowshipping or serious reproval in which you get your privileges removed from you. And again, are they really privileges? I don't know. You know, so you can't answer up at the hall. You can't go preaching and you can't, I'm trying to think what else can't you do? You you yeah you can't do anything you can't yeah can't preach you can't talk to people about it so as far as the disfellowshipping is concerned you are no longer a jehovah's witness so you cannot act like a jehovah's witness just like being reproved oh being reproved i would have thought being reproved is pretty much the same thing apart from you're not baptized so with reprove oh no you can be reproved actually can't you if you're baptized when you're baptized but people still talk to you so you can't do the stuff the main stuff but people can still talk to you when you're approved so i guess that's the main difference really but when you're just fellowshiped it's like yeah people just don't you're just left out in the cold proper out in the cold and i think people generally tend to go one of two ways don't they they generally tend to go oh no i really messed up i really want to get back on track i really want to get back in that community back into that organization and they do everything they can to come back and if you're going down that road you have to come in after the meeting has started so you can't get there so these are the two meetings you go to a week in that public kingdom mm. hall, coming after it started, sit at the back, don't bother, don't talk to anyone, and you leave before it's ended. If people catch your eye, it's awkward, you know, and um, you just can't make any sort of fuss whatsoever. And the elders have to see you regularly at as many meetings as possible before they can even consider what's called reinstating you so the disfellowshipping status gets taken away Mm. which is just crazy it's just it's you know so you have to be there be subservient be contrite you know look so repentant yeah and it's it's that isn't it it's the whole i'm extremely sorry kind of begging for forgiveness yeah you you are literally begging begging for forgiveness to the elders so if you because this is the thing i remember talking to um to a girl relatively recently who who's left uh, the witnesses and she told me that when she had an affair, she had an affair, I think it was her husband's 
So it was, I think it was her brother-in-law. I can't remember, but she said she did have an affair with this specific person. And she said that when she went to the elders, the brother-in-law got disfellowshipped, but she only got reproved because she said she was on her knees crying, begging for forgiveness, saying she was really sorry she didn't mean to do it. She was really upset. She was upset um, the whole situation, what happened. And she said that she felt neglected by her husband and all of this stuff. And they will rate you on your performance because they want to see you in pain, begging for your life, so to speak. Repenting. It's a power. It's a very, it's a manipulation and control tactic, big time. Because you also, I think you're, you're kind of driven by your reputation as well. So, you know, who wants to be disfellowshipped? Who wants to be told? Um, yeah, who wants to be disfellowshipped? Who wants to not be able to speak to their lifelines, your whole life, you know, dependent on, these people for support but emotional Mm -hmm. physical socio-economical support and they're gone they're just Mm -hmm. gone out of your life forever okay not forever but for as long as you're disfellowshipped or no sometimes it can be forever if you decide to just leave or if you think it's not good for you then it can be forever I mean I know people who who haven't spoken to their family in, a, in years in a really long time, and they don't they they feel like that's never going to change. But I do feel like it is definitely it's it's a whole performance thing, and that's how they control people hmm. because they they don't want you don't want to get disfellowshipped. You you don't want people to know. Because the first thing that you would want to know, if it was your really good friend who got disfellowshipped, you'd, you would, I remember thinking, oh, I wonder if they're okay. I remember that was the first thing I used to think about when a friend got disfellowshipped. I used to think, oh, I really hope they're doing okay. I really hope I, I really wish I could help them and I can talk to them. And I remember thinking that when somebody got disfellowshipped. So to me, if someone got disfellowshipped, it always meant that, I felt like they needed more help instead of mm. no help at all. And I mean, bearing in mind, that this makes isn't something no, that makes perfect sense. And this isn't something that happened, you know, like everyone gets disfellowship once, like, you know, slap yeah. on the hand, naughty, naughty. Mm. Like, I think the whole time I was at Jehovah's Witness, so literally from birth until my early 20s, I probably only heard announced maybe five or six in my lifetime. So when mm. you were fellowshipped, it was serious, mm. incredibly serious, incredibly big. Very serious. Um, yeah, a horrible thing mm. to happen. And like you say, you either go the way of begging for forgiveness and, and, and playing into the the power trip, and it is a very small group of men that have a lot of power in their hands. Or you go down the route of, well, you know, fuck them, fuck this, you know. I and did. You go it. down the route of, yeah, 
Mm. And you go down the route of actually, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with this. And, you know, if you go down that you don't agree with it so much, you want to speak about it openly, you know, which arguably we do, then you can be labelled an apostate. Yes. Yes, you can. Mm. Which sounds scary. I mean, that's why I think that this is so important to talk about because I don't know your journey with uh, apostasy, but when I was a witness, apostasy was very scary, a very scary word. And when people talk about apostates, you kind of think of this raging monster kind of foaming at the mouth, kind of who wants to kill every Jehovah's Witness. I mean, it doesn't sound like a bad thing to me now, but, but I mean, it's, it's back then I remember feeling physically sick and physically scared because they put that into you. They put the fear into you of, oh, apostasy. It is a terrible, terrible, disgusting thing. You know, everyone's against us. It's this whole mentality of the world's against you. It's, you know, you against the world. You have to try your best not to be, not to come manipulated by the world and you have to kind of stay in this community and I think that that stopped me for a long time ever ever even long after I I um I stopped becoming a stopped being a Jehovah's Witness it, it it really I did that word really scared me I think just hearing it made me feel afraid because you you think oh who who are these horrible kind of apostates who are these people um behind that word but then looking at it now from a different perspective it's it's not scary it's it's debatable it's based on opinions it's based on fact it's based on evidence and i think when you and it's very nuanced as well so i think if you kind of look through that and I think if you look through it from an intellectual perspective, then it's, it's really not so scary because it's everybody's opinion and everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And I think visually looking at it, I, I thought it was scary, but now looking at it from a different perspective, it's, I think it's it's good. I think it's good to debate your opinion about how you feel about the Jehovah's Witnesses and what they believe. And I think they try and keep you away from that because they don't want you to criticise it. They don't want you to question. They want everybody to be to kind of say, yes, yes, I'll do this. Yes, yes, you know, begging for forgiveness, begging for their lives. They want that. They don't want anything to be questioned. And I think that's that's harmful. That's that's harmful. And now that I can see from the outside looking in that I think I was scared because I was um I just didn't know. I just didn't know yeah. what it was all about. Yeah. I was absolutely. scared of the unknown of the unknown. But it's it's really it's not so scary. But I mean these are normal people, you know, you 
I, I started kind of looking kind of on YouTube and on the internet, you know, apostates and things like that. And I was actually typing the word in. And this was when I was, what, 27, 26, 27. And I, I started kind of looking these things up because I felt like I needed to see if other people felt the same way I, I did about the religion coming out of it and, and all of that. And I, as I typed it down in YouTube, it didn't feel scary to me to me anymore. It felt normal, normal. I think I kind of normalised it in my it, in my brain. I normalised it. So as soon as that happened, I just started watching videos, um, people talking about it, it um, intellectualising it, and you know, putting down facts on why this religion is so damaging and why it, it, the the Watchtower is such a um, brutal, kind of difficult, very, from the outside, very kind of even benign religion that nobody really knows too much about because they're so insular. Mm. Um, But as I started hearing all of these different opinions and all these different um, arguments, I, I definitely started to feel kind of a shift inside of my head about how I felt about apostasy. And I think that's just the thing. You, you just need to hear other people's opinions. You have. And that's why I think collaboration, community, expanding community, especially within HJWs, I think, so important because then the world doesn't seem so scary anymore apostasy isn't scary it's not scary at all it's just people having opinions shared Mm. and possibly even shared opinions that's the whole thing shared the the shared idea of how they feel yeah i think so what what do you think what what is your story? How do you feel about apostasy? Yeah, so I think in a similar way to you, I found it incredibly scary. I was always I was always terrified of something called the unforgivable sin. And it was something that was referenced to in the Bible and referenced to in various Jehovah's Witness publications. And it was, that was the sin. Oh. God could forgive all other sins apart from the unforgivable sin. And the unforgivable sin was having knowledge. So you have the knowledge, but you you go and you refute it. You go, no, 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 I don't agree with this. And you, and you tell other people that you don't agree with it, a.k.a. apostasy. And that terrified me for a really, really, really long time. But and it, well, it took me about ten, maybe, maybe even ten years after leaving the Jehovah's Witness community to actually start listening to podcasts. And I know I'd spoken to you, and you had told me about your journey and various people you'd seen online and what they had said. And I was like, I kind of almost didn't want to think about it. I was just, I'd left Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm. I didn't want to think about them. I didn't want to think about religion. I didn't want to think about it. It was too much. It was too much for me. But yeah, I got to Mm. that point where I thought, you might be right. Maybe it is all bullshit. Maybe it is, you know? And it got Mm. to the point where little by little, I would listen to podcasts like, critical critical thinkers 
Um, or, or various YouTube channels, or things that you would send me, you know? And I would actually be like, oh, my God. I was lied to, and I was manipulated and controlled to such an extent where my growth as a person was stunted, I felt. And and to be so scared of voicing your own opinion for them to get you to a point where you're so scared you can't even say how you feel, I felt was a, a terrible travesty. And it was at that point that I finally thought, you know what, I'm going to start talking about it. I'm going to start talking about it. And, you know, I'm not going to, I would never, you know, go to, up to and shout at a Jehovah's Witness or, or, you know, do anything horrible to a Jehovah's Witness because I know they're just doing the best that they can do. But as much as they're allowed to voice their opinion, that's absolutely fine. I should be allowed to voice my opinion, you know, so I should be able to, to voice it in a public forum like this podcast, like the internet, like a letter to my old congregation asking me what they rated me because they rate everybody. Mm. And this I only just found out. And this I'm like, mm. oh my God, I cannot believe it. Shocking. So apostasy is not apostasy if that makes sense like you were saying it's just having an opinion and just being able to voice that opinion that's all it is I'm not going to go beat down the doors of Jehovah's Witnesses you know and go into their homes and tell them that they shouldn't be doing what they're doing because it's just everyone being able to have a choice and have a voice and that's what you're denied so badly when when you are a member of that religion unfortunately now that's really interesting the way you say that especially about the rating and and stuff because i i i knew about something like that along those lines but i didn't in i didn't know in great detail about what how they did it or what kind of system they had. But apparently they do have a system. And yeah, I don't know what, what I have. What would you rate yourself? What, oh, what mate. Would you rate? oh, yeah, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt they gave that to me though. No, I, I, I don't know whether though A is the best and Z is the worst, or Z is the best, and A is the worst. I don't know how that maybe works. Maybe it's a secret code. A for asshole, B for brilliant, you know. <laughs> B for you just, bitches. You just, yeah, you just don't know. But all we know is you're rated on a letter-based system, probably very much B because, you know, for, it's American for, religion you know what <laughs> yeah like yeah, like i think you know, because mm. it, the origin the religion originated in america it probably is an a to f like an american high school rating system that is my theory please do tell me if you know it would be absolutely wonderful and actually while i'm talking yes. about our wonderful please. listeners 
I do have to thank you so much for your incredible voice messages that you've left us. You've been so supportive. We've had some incredible messages from the US, from the UK. And it's just, it's wonderful to hear that we're reaching people, that you're enjoying our stories, you know, and our own opinions. And uh, yeah, we love hearing from you. So yeah, please keep on leaving us messages. Yes, and we'd like to possibly talk about these messages uh, during uh, possibly a podcast in the future and just if anybody wants to have a shout out or say something or ask questions, then that'd be great. That'd be really good. We could do that in future podcast. I would love to have like an Ask Us Anything podcast. That would be awesome. Yeah. Please let us know if you would love an Ask Us Anything podcast and we would just be open, you know, no no holds barred. Yes, that would be brilliant. Love that. Awesome. So, yes. So, in regards to shunning, sorry, just taking it back, taking it back to shunning quickly. How do you feel about that? Oh, it's terrible. And, it's really uh, unhealthy. Yeah, it's awful. Mm. And um, as far as I know, they are one of only a handful of organizations that does something so cruel that can, you know, divide people from their friends and family and maybe all of their support networks, all of them. You know, and if a person is in a vulnerable situation, I don't personally know of anyone, but I have heard of situations where people have just committed suicide because they have no support le- networks left at all and they just don't know what to do. So it is, it's, it's an awful, awful, horrible thing. And going back to, like you said, the process of shunning, while we've spoken about, you know, it is an elder's decision, um, what you can be shunned for, what paths you can go down, we probably should mention that in the process, it, the shunning process is, you know, you do whatever is deemed wrong, in inverted commas, you either confess or someone dobs you in, you know, someone grasses. Mm-hmm. And then you have what's called a judicial review with a judicial uh, committee. Mm-hmm. And that's fucking horrible. Yeah, absolutely awful. I mean, I had one. Did you ever have one? Mm-hmm. I... Yes, because I was reproved, taken off my privileges, and I just generally got told off regularly by the elders. So I got just tormented by the elders all the time. So I do. I've I've been through. I've been through it, but I've never been through a judicial committee because when I was baptized, I um disassociated myself so I just left I did not give the elders time to disfellowship me or anything like that or even to say that I'm dissociated I just left so that I I never really um had time or or they did or rather they didn't have time to do that to me 
Yeah, because you had like no. varying degrees of getting bollocked, didn't you? <laughs> like, um, yeah, you or in other words, that. like just you getting could, told yeah. off. There were varying degrees. There was the little side, you shouldn't be doing that in public. Yeah. Uh, there was the let's, we need to talk in the back room or the library, you know, mm-hmm. with one elder, one elder. We need to talk in the back with two elders. And I was like, oh, shit, this is like, this is serious. And then you've got the judicial review that was with a judicial committee, which was you, one person, one person, and three elders, three. And it's, and it's all recorded, all recorded, and it's horrible, absolutely horrible. I mean, my experience was I went on holiday and I was single at the time and I slept with someone on a holiday. Mm. And I was a bit shaky, probably um, in my position in the religion at the time. But when I came back, I felt incredibly guilty. I felt I'd gone against Jehovah. I'd gone against God. Everything was going wrong. This was an awful, awful thing that I could have done. So I confessed. So I went to the elders and I said, listen, I slept with someone. I was on holiday. It was, you know, a really stupid thing to do. You know, I don't know what you're going to do with me. What are you going to do with me? So they arranged a judicial committee. Mm. And there was three of them. And, oh, my God, I think I had two. Yeah, I had one a few Mm. years ago as well. I won in one congregation and one in another congregation. Unfortunately, yeah, for the same reason. I had met someone and slept with them and then been like, no, this probably isn't a good idea. Confessed, have my judicial review. And in this judicial review, they ask you everything. When did it happen? Where did it happen? What was it like? Did you have full intercourse? Did you orgasm? Like, it was so invasive. That's that's really disgusting horrible and I cried then you have to sit outside so you have to sit there completely spill your guts especially as a woman like a young woman you Mm. spill your guts these three men who were more more than likely going to be older men in their 40s 50s 60s 70s you know and then they make you sit outside. You have to sit outside the room for like five That's so minutes mm-hmm. and they come out and they tell you whether you're disfellowshipped. So in other words, you go, you can't talk to anyone after that. That's it. You're gone. Or we're going to give you one last chance, but we're going to reprove you and you have to, and they assign you to, to have a, have a study with someone in the congregation that they deem as spiritually strong you know so they say oh sister so-and-so is spiritually strong she's going to study with you in other words she's going to check in on you once a week and just make sure that you're you know you're doing okay (coughs) I was very lucky both times I had a judicial I wasn't disfellowshipped because I was deemed repentant but honestly, I think it's just potluck, really. If, if, if the men that you're sitting in that room with think you're repentant, they will go, all right, yeah, we'll give another chance. If they don't, if they don't like you, arguably, 
they disfellowship you. The whole process is demeaning. I don't think it's very humane. Don't think it's good for your well-being or your mental health. And also just pernicious in a way that I think is a bit sexually perverse, actually. I agree with you. It's horrific. It's that, yeah. I'm sorry you went through that. That's horrible. Yeah, yeah, shit. That's really, really horrible. And I think you're right. It's it's not humane. They are degrading you. They are treating you like shit. Yeah. They are treating you as if you are the most sinful person and, you know, full, you know, full of sin, full of filth, full of this horrible, like you're a horrible person. You're a horrible, imperfect person. But then everybody's imperfect. So it's yeah. just, it, it, it's just bizarre. It's, it's definitely a controlled thing, isn't it? Ritually, yes. I, I think it's very ritualistic in the way they do it because I know that they say the same things. I don't know whether it's because it's in the Elder's Handbook. Mm. Is it Shepherd the Flock? Shepherd yeah. the Flock? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know whether it's the same kind of thing that's um, that's in the Handbook, but I think it's... Ri- so from start to finish, you know, the the kind of whether you decide in, in, in no matter what way you decide to kind of dissociate yourself or get disfellowshipped or get reproved or anything like that from start to finish, it is humiliating. It's brutal. It's degrading. It is, they are making you feel, they are belittling you. Yeah. They are making you feel less than they're intimidating you. Yeah. And that is right from the beginning. That is from, spilling your guts, telling them about your sin, what you've done, to getting disfellowshipped, to being ignored, being shunned, being chucked out, being not given, well, them not giving you a chance, if you want a chance, and leaving you in the cold. They haven't and they the thing is they don't equip you with the right skills or tools to be able to go out and survive and try and make a life for yourself outside in the world because they want you to come back they want you to feel bad and come back to them they don't want you to go out for yourself and think for yourself and think oh well I actually think this is a horrible thing and I don't need you they want us to need them and thank god we don't need them anymore yeah thank god thank god yeah and on that note I think that's a great place to wrap up that is yes thank you to everybody for listening and contributing and we love you all we think you're great thank you for listening to us two girls one cult podcast we appreciate all of you every single one please subscribe if you haven't already to your podcast wherever you get them from we do have now allocated numbers to mental health support lines to those who need them 
They're in the description boxes on each episode. So if you need that, then reference that. Thank you very much and we'll see you next week.